PR Darlings, a podcast all about the dark arts of public relations, publicity and all things media. Exclusives for us are becoming more and more important. But if you can get hold of an exclusive story and you have enough time to repair, you can roll that story out across multiple platforms. Join us to learn more about the world of PR and how it can help build your business. Everything's packaged up in a bow from a PR perspective. The more chance you have of getting a journal to bite on it and then file on it. And if you're just starting your PR career, then come along for the ride. We're speaking to all kinds of journalists, producers and industry professionals. So you can offer the whole suite of the ABC if the story... Oh my God, you're like a PR dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the thing, and a lot of people don't realise it. I'm Greer Quinn from Forward Communications. And I'm Jo Stone from Sticks and Stones PR, and we are your PR darlings. It's PR Darlings. I'm Bria Quinn. And I'm Jo Stone. And we're both former broadcast journalists with real-life newsroom experience now working on the dark side in public relations. This podcast is all about the industry on both sides of the fence and how we can all work together to create great stories worthy of media coverage. Today we'll be chatting to one of the ABC's best and fairest, Tom Forbes. He's the kind of journalist you always hope will knock on your door kind, empathetic and committed to getting the details right. He's a master storyteller with a finely tuned news sense who brings a delicious sense of comedic timing to all that he does. Radio, TV, digital, you name it, he's done it. Most recently, he's been working as the morning show radio presenter for ABC Gold Coast in Queensland, bringing together all his news gathering and presenting skills to deliver the light and shade that listeners want to hear as they roll out of bed in the morning. He's been so generous to come onto the podcast to share the behind the scenes planning and the work that goes into the morning program, mostly in the dead of night while we're all fast asleep. So stay tuned to hear how to crack the breakfast radio egg. One of the things Tom spoke with us about is offering exclusives. But what does that actually mean? Part of what we want to do with PR Darlings is decode some of the industry jargon. So at the end of the show, we'll break down the unwritten rules of the exclusive. And you'd be so surprised how often these are broken. And as a PR person, it can really ruin your reputation. But first, let's go back to breakfast and the delightful Tom Forbes. Thanks for coming on It's PR Darlings. Tom Forbes, you're a real jack of all media trades, aren't you? I think that's fair to say. I've been around long enough that I've tried most things. So yeah, there's not much I haven't done in this industry. You've been a multimedia journalist way before it was even cool. Which do you like best, TV, radio, or is it digital? Initially, when I first began studying at university back in the late 90s, it was all about TV. That's all I really cared about. That was my focus. And my first job was in uh, commercial TV in regional Queensland in Townsville. So I was there for a couple of years, then moved to Toowoomba and then back to the Gold Coast where I'd studied and sort of kicked off my training. I uh, did that for a couple of years and then my dream was to get a job in Brisbane working for TV. I thought that was the pinnacle of being a TV journalist and I was working for Channel 9 at the time on the Gold Coast and try as I might to get to Channel 9 Brisbane. For some reason, I didn't quite make it. So then I heard of an opportunity from one Joe Stone about a temporary contract in radio in Brisbane with ABC, and I took it. So it was a three-month contract, and those contracts just kept rolling on, and I ended up becoming a court reporter 
for radio in Brisbane and then eventually the opportunity came to move to the Gold Coast with ABC and uh, there wasn't much TV back in those days but uh, over the years the TV component grew so we basically became multi-platform, you know, radio, television, crossing the programs, uh, then became video journalists as the cameras got small enough and uh, and now I guess you could classify me as a, a, a journalist slash presenter. And more recently, you've been part of the ABC Gold Coast Radio Breakfast team, delivering the slightly more light-hearted morning show. So what time of the day does your day start? Greer, it starts at 3.30 in the morning. The alarm clock goes oh. off. I uh, know. It was a shock to my system as well. So I'm at work uh, at 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, logging on, reading newspapers, uh, finishing up scripts that need to be done for the show ahead. We're on air from 5am in the morning. We cover both the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast for that five to six hour. And then for the last two hours of the show, which is six to eight, we are Gold Coast specific. So on air for three hours, an hour of preparation, and then we come off air, grab a coffee, and then we start the grind of finding uh, stories for the next day. And we finish at midday. Three thirty is such an ugly time of the day, isn't it? It's awful when you see everybody else coming out of the nightclubs (laughs) as you drive to work. I've got to be honest. There's been a couple of times where I've been going off to work, and my husband's been coming home, and there's not much of an overlap. Like it's just, yeah, it is punishing, especially as the week wears on. But it's just the price you pay for that shift. And as long as you can manage the sleep, like I'm pretty good because I don't have children or much else that I so I can sneak a nap in in the afternoon. But to my co-host, Nicole's got a young daughter and she lives a fair commute from the office. So it really is a struggle for her because she gets up at 2.30 in the morning and then she struggles to get a nap because her 10-year-old child gets home from school and, and demands time as well. So I don't complain because I see how other people do it as well. So do yeah, you exactly. do you opt for the afternoon nap rather than the antisocial 7.30 bedtime? That's what I have to do, Gree. If I didn't do that, my husband gets home from work about 6.30 and I'd probably be going to bed about 7.30. So only an hour, today, hour a day crossing over. So I make the effort to have a nap so I can go to bed about 9, 9.30 at night just so that we can have some time together. It's the way to run it really, isn't it? And and how important, um, how much of that breakfast program is prepared before you actually go to air? You say you've only got about an hour there. Yeah, so we try and pre-prepare the program as much as possible, um, especially for the really early slots in the morning. So to break down an hour of ABC radio, we generally have news for five minutes and then we'll have a bit of a setup for that hour, what we're going to be talking about, then we'll go to a song, then we'll come back and we'll have our story, which is the meat, which is the thing that we we think most people want to hear. Uh, Generally, we have a story every half an hour and as the program gets closer to the busiest times, we'll squeeze two stories in. So we generally leave our later time slots, our 710s, our 720s, our 745s open for the stories of the day, the big stories that have happened either overnight or coming up that day. But generally, the earlier parts of the show are pretty much packed away, either pre-recorded the day before, or um, you know, pre-recorded the day before, or pre-arranged with people that we're going to call them that early in the morning that they won't complain, and we know they're going to answer their phones. So obviously, a pre-record is uh, worth its weight in gold when you're dealing with a three thirty a.m. start. Um, how important are exclusives for you with morning radio programs? Exclusives for us are becoming more and more important. Um, What we're finding is that exclusive stories 
I mean, everyone loves it to have an exclusive story, but uh, it, the hard thing is getting them a lot of the time as well. Uh, because what we're finding is that if you can get hold of an exclusive story and you have enough time to repair, you can roll that story out across multiple platforms. So quite often what I do now is uh, when I'm pitching for a story from somebody, because we pitch to PR companies and individuals as well, is that we offer at the ABC, I can say, if you give us this story and give me two or three days lead time, we can roll this story out on today's date. Uh, it'll hit the radio news bulletins that morning. It will be in radio programs that day. It will also have a, a social media presence as well on the Facebook page. It will have a digital presence on the ABC digital website. Uh, we can do a TV news story on that. We can do uh, something that can be prepackaged for ABC's 24 Breakfast program. So you can offer the whole suite of the ABC if the story. Oh my God, you're like a PR dream. It, well, yes. this, is the thing. this is the thing. And a lot of people don't realize it because the ABC is, you know, it's a national platform and you can offer more than most other people because you've got the radio, the digital, the television. And if you've it's a big a story, yep. So. Generally, what happens if you do get one of those stories and you do reach an agreement that you'll roll it out on a certain date, you will then have to pitch the story as a journalist to your chief of staff who will then go into bat with you with all the other programs. So they'll talk to News, news Breakfast, um, you know, getting a platform for your local stuff is not a problem. Then they'll talk to the 7 p.m. news editor. Um, so then you can offer all those sweats. So that's why you hear those big, big stories that roll out from you know, you wake up in the morning and you'll hear something about, you know, Australian soldiers, for example, being accused of killing people in Afghanistan. And you'll hear it all day on the ABC because it's all been pre-arranged, pre-written, pre-recorded. So that's that's the best way. And that's our highest and best use, I think, as well. So how do we, um, as PRs, get to pitch, we'll get you to pitch for us like that? First off the bat, it's got to be an incredible story. Um, quite often you can pitch a story to all those different platforms and you'll only get a couple of bites. Um, so, yeah, you'll get radio saying, yeah, we like that for radio and you'll get uh, digital saying, yeah, we like that, but you won't be able to sell a TV component because there won't be the pitches to go with it. So if you can offer a story to a journalist who can cover all those different platforms within the ABC or has access to other journalists who can help roll out the story, then that's the best way to do it but it's it's got to be a good story straight up it's got to it's got to fly for the ABC across all those platforms okay and just tell us a little bit about what is that difference between say a story for a morning radio program or a show compared to what's actually needed for a news bulletin do you actually need something different yes you do so for news it has to be breaking it has to be now it has to be newsworthy radio programs you can get away with having it doesn't have to be as timely, but it has to be a good storyteller who's telling the story or it has to be a cracker story that people will want to hear. Um, and quite often you'll have different uh, different uh, voices within each different story. So I'm just trying to think of an example. If you had, say, for example, if you have a, uh, say, if you're working for a law firm and promoting cases within a law firm, you could offer up one of your clients to talk to an ABC program about maybe it's they've got mesothelioma they've got a beautiful story to tell which will touch heartstrings so then that voice will be heard on the the radio platform but then you also have the lawyer component built in for a TV news story as well which will give more weight to what the person is saying and then you go and get reaction from 
I don't know, victims of mesothelioma Australia as an example to give the other side of that as well, say so this is a bigger p- problem around the country. Uh, and then you'd also go back to the industry as well and get their comment as well. So radio programs, you can get away with one voice, whereas when it comes to news, you need all different sides of that same story. And sometimes I'll do, um, I'll offer like a different client to a different outlet. So if you might have somebody who's got a story that might be more suited to, or they might only want to talk to a newspaper. So that might be more suited to the Australian and they only want to talk to a newspaper. Or you've got a client who's really happy to do TV. So I might give it to a different person to Channel 7 as to Channel 9 so that you sort of can create a bit more of a campaign with a lot of different voices, Mm -hmm. which is also a good way of doing it. Um, And it just helps, it helps tell the story. Story, I think it and, certainly and does. Tom, do you appreciate it when the PR actually goes the effort of lining all those people up, or do you like to go out and get your own angles as well? Oh, agree. Some of those stories we wouldn't get unless we did have the help of a PR organisation. I mean, because the PR person, for example, who works for the law firm, has access to the clients uh, and then can do the vetting for you because they'll know. You know, yes, this this person would be really good on radio because they're they're happy to tell their story over the telephone. But this person doesn't mind being on a camera, so it does make it a lot easier. And it just comes down to being nice and organised and having everything arranged and uh, and hoping it all comes off. But generally, the more organised and the more talent, the better chance the story is of getting of flying as well. Mm, and live radio can be super stressful. What can we do as PR people to make interviews with our clients run really smoothly? I'm thinking media training, um, landline phones, um, good connections, getting your names right. Yeah, all those things, uh, Greer. Live radio is very stressful. Um, I guess the, the in an ideal world, we'd like to pre-interview people. So if we can get hold of them before we actually do the interview proper, it is a nice way for us to vet and get an idea of what those what the talent's like. If they're really rambly and lots of ums and ahs, what we quite often will try and do if we have the time is to pre-record them and then go back and edit and take all those ums and ahs out so the interview sounds a lot more fluid. Um, landlines are ideal. One, f- oh, There are a few frustrations, but generally you get a, a pitch through from a PR company. You like to get you like to get direct access to their talent as quickly as possible. So gatewaying through a PR company, although it is obviously good for the PR company, it can be a bit um, a bit of a block sometimes if, to get hold of the talent because you, if you've got a question to ask and you call the PR company and then you wait for the PR person to get back to you and then contact, you know, it just it can get a bit clunky. So if there's trust between the, the journalist and the PR person that you can give across the details or let the journal get access to the client as quickly as possible, that does help. Yeah, otherwise it's responsiveness, isn't it? And some people really don't get it because in the business world they might think uh, a 24 or 48-hour period is quite a, a, an efficient time frame to get back to someone but explaining that the deadlines sometimes are on the minute, um, yeah. and, you know, really within within 15 minutes or at least within the hour is what you're needing in radio. Oh, it's cruel, isn't it? And another option as well is the is the embargo system, which I think, I mean, as provided you, you adhere to them, they are brilliant because they give everybody time to sort of get their breath, get everything organised, and when it does roll out, it's it's been done properly. You're not chasing your tail. You're not being too reactive. Uh, but you're right, the whole wanting to know everything five minutes before is is what happens, especially with breakfast radio, because you like to tap out as best you can at midday 
And quite often people are only warming up by the time you're finishing for the day. So if it's something you want to roll out the next day, um, you know, sometimes you'll miss the boat. Um, so, so what is on that? So what is the best time for a PR person to actually contact you then? Because, you know, you're finishing at midday and there's the afternoon nap, which is important. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> Look, I, I guess the best thing I like, what I like to is, is to get reached out to via email. And being on the Gold Coast, you quite often know pretty much most of the PR people on the ground. So if you do have a relationship with a PR person or a PR firm, that does make it a lot easier because if I see an email come through with, with Joe Stone's name at the top and I know Joe Stone, I will do my best to respond to it. Um, Thank so you, Tom. The email comes in and then if it's a story that doesn't, you just know it's not going to float, then I can say, hey, Joe, this isn't going to work for us. I can forward it to everyone else on station, but it's just probably not something the ABC is going to touch. And then you know that it's not going to work and you're not going to be, you know, wondering why I haven't got back to you. And also the um, the timing is also difficult as well. But ideally we like to come off there, have a coffee, so we're back sitting at our desks at 8.30 and then we're starting to talk about the next day. So we have a whiteboard with all these different holes in the, in the next show, you know, 5.15, 5.45, 6.15, 6.45, 7.10, 7.20, 7.45. We like wow. to fill those holes up before we walk out the door or at least have TB confirmed on them. So normally we have... So maybe an 8.30 email might be a, a good time then, Tom? perfect, Joe. 8.30 email followed up by a phone call if you don't get a response back um, or a follow-up email after that. And and then, you know, just call the journeys mobile. I mean, if, if you're on the clock till midday, you're not going to get in trouble for calling a journo. So it's like, hey, I sent you that email. Did you see it? Oh, yeah, I did. Yep, I like it. Let's do something with it or look, it's just not going to work. But then, yeah, the start of the day for for most PR people's the best time to jump into it. And I imagine with radio and with the morning show that you're doing, it's quite handy to have maybe a couple of evergreen stories up your sleeve. We like to have one or two that are pre-recorded that are timeless that we can throw in, Greer. And it's light and shade as well because with breakfast radio, you only have sort of four or five minutes. and They're, they're long interviews in breakfast radio, whereas in mornings and drive programs, you can sometimes go eight to ten minutes so you can dig a little bit deeper. But with breakfast, you've got a, you know, traffic crosses every 15 minutes. You've got news bulletins, news headlines. You know, you've got to jam a lot into the show, surf reports, finance reports. So... The holes are quite small. They're probably four to five minutes and then you move on to the next story. But it has to be hard stories or the stuff that people are going to wake up and want to know, what do I need to know on the Gold Coast today? What's ABC going to tell me? But then you also get the nice stories as well. You know, the nice stories you'll find on some community page somewhere about a, a mum who's, you know, mowing the neighbour's lawn for free because they've broken their hip or whatever, whatever the story is. But if people like a bit of... Warm and fuzzies, but also like to walk out the door and make sure they know what's going to be happening in their life that day. Nice. And you mentioned um, the embargoes before. I'm actually a bit of a fan of the embargo myself because it does give everyone a bit of time to prepare while also having that urgency. Um, and so if someone does have a story, rather than doing an embargo, if they were doing an exclusive, how many days prior would you like them to contact you? What's the lead up? Oh, more the better generally. Um, the other issue with them, look, to be fair, most stories that we deal with the embargo will be like 24 hours. It'll come through 
you know, on say, for example, today been embargoed until nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Um, that's fine because then we can make the call and tee up the talent. But if it's one of those big multi-platform stories that are going to require a lot of work by the journalists to sort of position them on digital, radio, radio news, uh, TV, you need maybe three days at least because you've got to go and film everything, edit all the different platforms as well. So the bigger the story or the more platforms, the more time, but uh, generally 24 hours to three days. And what about um, just some tips for people who are coming on to, um, to radio to do an interview live? What, what do you love to hear from people? I love to meet somebody before they come on the radio and then as soon as they know they're on the radio, they're still that same person. They don't have to feel like they have to be more serious uh, unless it's a serious issue, of course, but you just want people to be themselves and I think that gets lost a lot of the time. People are trying to make themselves sound like they want they think everyone wants them to sound instead of being themselves because you can pick it a mile away. If somebody comes on the radio and they're struggling or they're trying to be too serious or trying to use words they wouldn't use in everyday language, it does come across. So I think just keep it as natural as possible and then you're, you're not fooling anybody because you're being yourself then. And and do you think it's better when people actually make the effort to come into the studio or do you? how often do you ask people to come to the studio or are you doing most of it over the phone these days? With technology now, Greer, it's actually getting easier and easier. Um, in the old days, we would push to get people in the studio every time we could. And of course, there's regular talent like mayors and politicians who you can't get to come into the studio. But if you've got somebody who's got a one-off story that they're about to tell and they're happy to get in the car and come and see, of course, that is ideal. Uh, during COVID, we had lockouts of studios and it was all done over the phone and via all sorts of other platforms as well with FaceTime and Zooms and whatnot. But also the quality of uh, radio studios has changed now. We've got a phone box system now, which is an internet phone line. So we can do really high quality interviews with people over their mobile phones now. So provided they're not hands-free driving down the M1, we can pretty much get away with the quality these days. But as soon as you start hearing wind noise or dropouts, you know, if, if it's annoying you as someone doing the interview, you know, it's going to be really annoying somebody driving their car, listening to the interview. So we try and avoid that wherever possible. Did you have to broadcast from home during COVID at all? Yeah, I did uh, three months from home. So I had, we have a, a system like a, an OB system or an outside broadcast system that I brought home. So I used an iPad with a Zoom so I could see my co-host Nicole and she could see me and we had all these hand signals developed that we would use for each other doing interviews and prepping and getting to the top of the clock. And uh, yeah, I do the show from home for three months. And I tell you what, my I really enjoyed it to start with, but after three months, I couldn't wait to get back to work because there was the house was set up as a studio. My partner had to tiptoe around in the morning and get his car out yeah. while I was, you know, while we were playing a song on the show, just because it was really imperative. You weren't too noisy. And there's, yeah, there's a big switch to digital and online news coverage. The ABC is no exception, with a lot of focus on making digital the priority. Um, are there things that you need specifically for digital that you don't need for other platforms? For instance, what sort of photos or videos might work for you? Yeah, well, that is the big change because once we've got the person's voice on tape, we've got the quotes we can take directly from there. So the big change is the photographs and um, the, the other change as well is that the quality of phones are now so good. So we generally say to people, if you can give us a high quality landscape photo that is not 
um, at the highest resolution possible, like at least one megabyte, I think it is. Um, that, that means it's big enough that we can sort of crop it when it arrives at our end. And if it's in landscape format, it will fit on most of the ABC stories as they roll out. So you haven't, haven't got to put those curtains down the side like you do when you're filming or taking photos for Instagram and then trying to put them onto other platforms. So generally, the photo quality is really important and also obviously the names and who you attribute those photos to as well. You create such hilarious videos about your life and your workday that get thousands of views. What do you think is the key to really nailing that online video content? And certainly shooting in landscape, of course, brings to mind. Oh, look, after dabbling in YouTube for a couple of years, I realised the importance of getting the audience early as possible because you know that most of them probably won't stay for the end of the video. That is the, the nature of social media these days. As soon as they're bored for a millisecond, they'll just click onto the next one. So getting the audience from the get-go, letting them know exactly what you're going to deliver to them in the next five minutes, six minutes, however long your video is. Uh, You've got to be yourself, as I mentioned before, because people can see through the fact if you're not being yourself on camera or on radio as well. Uh, You've also got to entertain. It can't just be spewing information at somebody. You've got to keep them uh, entertained, but you've also got to inform them as well because the comedy aspect only lasts for so long. But if you can let them click onto the next video and thought, wow, well, that guy, he made me smile a couple of times and actually learned a few things about whatever he was talking about, then you've pretty much, I think you've been successful. Yeah, I actually often tell clients that are um, fixated on getting influencers that journalists are the original gangster influencers around and um, journalists, are, journalists are actually often expected now to have Twitter accounts, uh, Instagram accounts and Facebook accounts to actually build their own profiles as well as the newslet, news outlet profile. But also I wanted to know, is there anything clients might need to know about regional um, stories that city journos don't necessarily know about? For instance, I'm thinking distances. Yeah, it not distances are not the huge issue for here on the Gold Coast, but definitely if you head further out to the other ABC regions out west where you're two to three hours from the next town, it is an issue. I guess the big difference is that um, regional journos probably are not as, what's the word I want to use? They're a bit of a a catch-all for everything. They'll do sport, they'll do politics, they'll do all different types of stories. So they're a bit more generalist. So if you're going to go to a regional journal with a really complex finance story, you're probably going to be coming up against it unless that journal's got some experience in that. So you generally find that the regional journals will either be really inexperienced or really experienced because the young ones have ambitions to get to the capital cities and the bigger markets will cut their teeth and then head to the bigger cities. Um, regional journals will do more parish pump style stories and they're also really well versed with relationships because as I said before I could pretty much name most of the PR people I deal with on the Gold Coast and um, and most PR people know most of the journals at all the different outlets as well so it's pretty quick to get a story pitched to a regional journal as well but you've got to make it real easy for a regional journal because they've got about 25 other stories they've got to do that day as well. So tell us about 2021 and what you're going to be doing next and, and what you'd like us to actually pitch to you or what you'd like to cover. 2021 for me will be a little bit of a career change. So I'll still be doing a little bit of breakfast radio, but I'll be doing more field reporting for programs. So the ABC is like all other um, news services. It's all about digital online content these days. So unfortunately, 
you're not getting the eyeballs on your television and you're not getting the ears on your radio programs like you used to get. They're just, they're just not there anymore with the advent of podcasts and streaming and everything else. So the ABC is reacting to that and moving more into a digital story space. So that's where the future is, I think. So as a PR person, if you have got a really good story and you do have a relationship with a journal who you know can do a good job for you, you can pitch a story, give them the time to do it, make sure they're interested in doing it and make sure their bosses are interested in running it on their different platforms and then give them the time and everything you can, like the photographs, the numbers for the contacts that you're dealing with, uh, organise the time, uh, just make it as easy as possible for the journo because the journo will, if it looks too hard and they're under the pump, they will quite often move on even if it is a good story. So if everything's packaged up in a bow from a PR perspective, the more chance you have of getting a journo to bite on it and then file on it. Thank you so much for coming on It's PR Darlings, Tom. We really, really appreciate your time and all your insights. Wishing you all the best in 2021 with your new field reporting um, and other roles. Thank you for having me on. I hope I didn't ramble too much and I thoroughly enjoyed it. The pressure's on, isn't it, when you become the interviewee? people don't realise the amazing amount of work that has to happen in the dark of night to bring us those programs we just expect in the morning and it can be really tough to get up at that time every day. You know, it's hard on your body and hard on your family and friends who rarely see you because you need to be asleep at seven. So hats off to the teams that do that day in, day out. Now, Tom mentioned how valuable an exclusive can be in Breaky Radio, but Greer, can you tell us exactly what is an exclusive? Well, by its very definition, an exclusive is excluding all others, limiting or limited to possession control or use by a single individual or group. In this case, the exclusive is the story and the individual is the journalist or news outlet. It's a story that doesn't appear in any other newspaper, magazine, TV station or digital site. It is the sole possession of one journalist and is not run in any other publication. When you offer an exclusive, you have to wait until the news organisation says yes, they want it and confirm they want it exclusively. You can't do a sneaky offer around to other organisations while you wait. Sometimes that can backfire anyway as it might tip another outlet off to the story and they can steal your thunder. Basically, it means you have to have patience. If a journalist thinks they're getting the exclusive, then often extra time and resources will be put into producing the story. Photographers might be called in, digital assets might be commissioned. It might also be destined for a big splash on the front page. So it's also considered a bit of a dog act, to use a colloquial term, to offer an exclusive and then also give it to other organisations. In the current climate, with so much competition for audience and eyeballs, the exclusive is becoming more valuable. And as Tom says, in breakfast radio in particular, it can be worth its weight in gold. That's the show for today. We hope you're enjoying its PR darlings. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe or drop us a line. We're on all the socials. You've been listening to its PR darlings. I'm Greer Quinn from Forward Communications. And I'm Joe Stone from Sticks and Stones PR. See you next week.